Suicide is the number two killer of people in this country between the ages of 15 and 24. Marie Osmond's 18-year-old son, Michael Blossel, has died, apparently, by his own hand. In terms of adolescent suicide, about 90% of adolescent suicides are related to undiagnosed mood disorders, like depression, bipolar disorder. Growing Pains actor Andrew Koenig was found dead Thursday, almost two weeks after disappearing. The body of the 41-year-old actor who played Boner on the sitcom was found in a Vancouver park. Koenig, who suffered from depression, took his own life. All of these lines across my face Tell you the story So many stories of where I've been And now I got to where I am But these Hey there, welcome back to Flip Switch, the Bipolar and Depression Connection, brought to you by bpkids.org, the Child and Adolescent Bipolar Foundation. You can find us online at bpkids.org and email us at flipswitch at bpkids.org. Today, Amy Lynn and I are continuing our discussion of the two recent tragic suicides of Hollywood actor Andrew Koenig and Marie Osmond's son. Two painful reminders that suicide, for a great many people, is all too real and something that needs to be fought against. Intercut with the news footage there was Ohio State researcher Paul Granello, who does a lot of research on teens and suicide. Check out some of his statistics online at Ohio State. We now continue our discussion from yesterday. One of the first things you saw from these these situations with both Andrew Koenig and Marie Osmond's son was almost immediately everybody saw the parents and how devastated they were. That That is common. Because what happens is suicide is a very selfish act. Me, me, me. I'm hurting. I want it to stop. I want to feel better. But that's not real life. If it's real life, if you wall yourself off. I mean, one of the things we talked about is don't isolate yourself. Why? Because if you isolate yourself, suddenly you are the only person in the room. You are the only person that matters. How many people do you have you heard of who kill themselves in front of lots of people? Some do, but very, 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 very few. Again, all these things we talk about, don't isolate yourself. Get good sleep. Lead a structured life. It's all kind of to keep from going into these areas where these things fester and become a monster of their own. It's hard to feel down when you're too busy doing stuff and you're talking to people to get stuff done and you're having friends who are talking to you about that. I guess if you think about the times you, everybody feels down sometimes. Think about the times you feel down or you've, uh, the times you've ever felt lowest in your life. Almost always you were alone at those points. You were in your room. Nobody's like, I was with all my friends. I was so miserable, blah, blah, blah. They may say I was so miserable with my friends and I went home and then started thinking about my misery, but it's rough. It is a selfish act and one that once done cannot be taken back. And the weird thing, uh, if, if certain belief systems, either A, you go to the bad place, or B, nothing happens after that, which means things aren't better. So it's just nothing. It's not better necessarily. 
about it at all. So I don't quite grasp that, especially when you're leaving in your wake a bunch of people who are now unhappy, which maybe that's the intent. I think also because sometimes when you're at that point, it's I don't get along with my parents. They don't really love me. I don't have friends that are close enough that would really care. And you have to remember that just because you've gotten in fights with people and you guys have stopped speaking for a while or have gotten angry with each other, if you think about how you feel towards them, it's likely that you'll realize that even though you're not speaking or you're angry, that you still care for that person. You're still, just because you get in a fight with your parents, you know, you've gotten in fights with your parents before, most likely it's not, it's not the end all, basically. Right. So what I'd like to end our little discussion with is two things. One is for people are going to be asking, what do I do if somebody I know tells me this? Because that's something you hear a lot. My friend told me they were going to harm themselves and I didn't know what to do. Which is reasonable. I mean, what would you do? That's that's not something anybody ever actually sits you down and says, hey, here's what to do if that happens. The, uh, the common thing is somebody says, well, I would just go tell an adult. But I have talked to enough teens to know that nine times out of ten, I wouldn't say nine times, I would say maybe six to seven times out of ten, they will never go tell an adult virtually anything. And so, one, to get people to realize that, hey, having your friend mad at you because you told somebody is much better than having no friend, that's one thing. But another thing is that there is kind of a way to gauge it. So one thing you might want to do is say, what do you mean? And if they have this vague... Basically, the more specific they are, the worse. You want to kill yourself. What do you mean? Uh, I'm just having... I feel blah. Okay, that's serious, but it's less serious than you want to kill yourself. Yeah, I'm going to do it tomorrow with a gun at my house. That's a very specific plan, and they're telling you exactly what's going to happen, how serious they are about it. It's developed. I agree with the importance of telling an adult when it's to that point when it's more vague though and maybe I just come having this opinion being a teenager sometimes you will have those friends that will tell you you know if you tell an adult it'll just make issues worse and to some extent I agree with that I think it's important you have to use your judgment I think it is it does make things a little bit harder though when you just go straight to the adult without talking talk to the person about it be like you know I am really worried I think, you know, it is important that we do tell an adult. Now, most likely they're not going to want to. So try and get an agreement. Okay, well, you know, how about you try and call me if an issue comes up and we can talk about it or make some kind of agreement that either they're not going to do this without talking to you. Otherwise, you'll have to go to an adult. Or if you think it's necessary, you know, tell them that you feel that it's necessary to go to an adult and offer to go with them, offer to have them go with, so they still feel like they have some sense of control. Right. That is one of the key issues I I think I have run into, teens specifically, is the just, the reality, the very real thing that is they are rarely fully in control of their lives. Uh, They live under somebody else's roof. They depend on those people for food. I mean, there's virtually no other time in life where that's true except for prison. And so you, to some extent... If you go to them and say, I'm going to do something that's going to even lessen your freedoms more than that, 
because these people are then going to start watching you more and all that. That is the number one thing I hear, which is, why would I ever want to do that? Yeah. If I'm in pain, why would I ever want somebody to go do something that I know is probably going to increase that? I don't have an answer for that. I really don't. I have The only answer I can think of is you just got to be straight with people and go, look, I understand what you're saying, but it's uh, that or you are not here. Yeah. And uh, I prefer that. And you can be mad at me all you want. But I see what you're saying, which is before it gets to that point, give that person the option. Give them some ways out. I think they're much more likely to come and speak and come and talk about it if they feel as if they have some sense of control. Because if they're at that point, it's likely that they're feeling as if it's just they have no other options. They don't really have control of what's going on. And so to take that away even farther is a little bit... You know, in the long term, it could definitely be a positive, but in the short term, that's a little bit of a push over the edge. You're taking away any sense of control that they have, which they already are at a limited sense of control. Yeah, you know, there are two major issues we deal with on this show at the very base. I mean, ultimately, it's about living well, but that is that is kind of the one issue. If you have to live your life, live it as positively and good as you can with the circumstances you're given. If you're given a biology that pushes you towards mania, um, deal with that in a, the best positive way you can. If uh, you're depressed, do what you can to get out of it, that type of thing. Um, but the other reason is because of this. There are so many people to do this that once it's done, it's done. And no coming back from that. And while it's hard to deal with the situation as it is now, it's much harder for everyone to deal with it when that person's gone. And I don't mean for one day, I mean for years. And so I, I, my heart goes out to both of those families. It's just devastating. So just remember, suicide's a selfish act. Don't do it. Don't be a jerk. It's kind of a jerk thing to do. I'm sorry. It's been kind of a somber discussion. But somber topic. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about suicide later in the week. And again, don't do it. It's a bad idea. All right. If you got any comments or questions about what we're talking about, or you uh, just want to make your own comment about some problems you see with suicide or with how to deal with suicide, you can email us at flipswitch at bpkids.org. You can check out our blog at bpkids.org under the teens and 20s section. Amy Lynn blogs there quite quite a lot. I blog there and Ryan blogs there and it's all awesome and stuff. It's pretty exciting. All right, guys. 